0: Turn with me in your Bible to the Gospel of Luke today, and we are looking at chapter three, and we're going to read verses one to six. And today we're speaking about John the Baptizer. I did not uh, I use that phrase uh, specifically because um, John was not a Baptist, nor was he the origin of the Baptist Church. He was a baptizer who baptized as an act of calling people who were the people of God to repentance. Um, The righteous, self-righteous leaders of the um, synagogues and the temple uh, did not see themselves in need to be baptized. And John came to them and said, Do you realize that you, of all the people, need to prepare the way of the coming of the Lord? And that you need to change your ways. They were taking advantage of the less fortunate. They were taking advantage of the widows and the orphans. And making a profit from their misfortune. And uh, John came along and said to them, you need to repent. And the day of judgment is is coming. The axe is laid at the root of the tree and is ready to chop it down. And judgment is coming. So there were many religious leaders who went out to meet John in the Jordan River and uh, were baptized by him. And then, of course, along came Christ who asked John to baptize him. John said, I'm not worthy to baptize you. I need to be baptized instead. But Jesus said, in order to fulfill all righteousness, um, you are to baptize me. John did, and the Bible says that uh, when Jesus came up out of the water, And that's the part that we have in common with John's baptism. John's baptism was not a Christian baptism. It was a baptism of repentance in the Old Testament form. Uh, It had been 400 years since a word had been heard from God. And now the call to prepare the coming of the Christ, the Messiah, was the mission of John the Baptist. But what uh, John's baptism does have in common with Baptists today is that in that reading, He baptized by total immersion. How do we know that? We know that because the Bible says Jesus, when He came up out of the water, uh, the Holy Spirit came and rested upon Him, and the Father endorsed Him by saying, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. And so today we talk about John the baptizer. And uh, the example that he set and the standard that he set uh, gives us a lot of challenge as to our personal growth in the Lord, uh, perhaps even this Christmas season, that we would be more like him in the way that we were faithful to God's call and mission in our life as well. Beginning in chapter 3, I'm going to read verses 1 to 6. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea and Herod was Tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip was Tetrarch of the region of Aturia, I think, and Triconitus, and uh, Lysanias was Tetrarch of Abilene. Now, I got Abilene right. I don't think I got the rest of those words right, but I do recognize Abilene. I have a brother that lives in Abilene, Texas. Um, In the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John. John, the son of Zacharias in the wilderness. And he came into all the district around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make ready the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every ravine will be filled, and every mountain and hill will be brought low, and the crooked will become straight, and the rough roads smooth, and all flesh will see the salvation of God. I love these little dad jokes. And I got a few here about Christmas time. And I want you to begin thinking about how these have something in common with John the Baptizer. First of all, I'm going to give you three or four of them here. What did the wise men say after they offered up their gifts of gold and frankincense? Wait, there's myrrh. <laughs> You get that? What do you get when you cross a snowman with a vampire? Frostbite. You got it. You got it. Who said frostbite? Got a piece of candy for you if you can catch it. There you go. Did it make it? I run out of candy, so hope y'all don't get the rest of these. What does Santa? What does Santa suffer from if he gets stuck in a chimney? claustrophobic, what do you call Santa when he stops moving, Santa pause. what do snowmen eat for dessert, what do snowmen eat for dessert, ice crispies, what do you, uh, how do you help someone who has lost their Christ- Christmas spirit, you nurse them back to Elf, Now what do these have to do, how are they like John the Baptist? They're a little bit strange and kind of funny. John the Baptist was a little bit strange and he was kind of awkward and funny. Funny looking, strange looking, coming out of the desert, dressed in uh, uh, just a a cloak and he ate uh, wild honey and locusts, that was his diet. But he came out of the desert, this odd kind of guy, preaching a word from God. Because there had not been a word from God in 400 years. We speak today about his mission. John the Baptist was born at the right time to prepare for the coming of the Lord. And the timing of his birth had everything to do with his mission. Just like you and I were born at this time, we have a mission from God at this time. Do we know what that mission is and are we being faithful to do so? John's days were set by the providence of God. And it is the timing of God in your life and mine that's always perfect. God's never late. He's never too early. He's always right on time. John, in his mission, grew up with a clear discernment of his role in life. His role took him to the desert, and he did not resist. He welcomed it. He embraced it. Because this is the place where the prophets of God came to speak. God also has for you and me a specific call in our life and a purpose for our life today. Do you know what it is? I've uh, suggested before that we struggle a little bit with our purpose and ask ourselves this question Can I put my purpose in life, can I put my mission in life into one single sentence? Somebody were to ask you on an elevator, What's your mission in life? What would be your response? That has to do, that has everything to do with your Christian identity. And your Christian identity comes from your relationship to Jesus Christ. He is the one that gives you a mission. He is the one that gives you a purpose in life. Can you state what it is? Have you struggled with that? Have you spent time asking the Lord to simply give you a mission statement? I know what mine is. Mine is to preach the gospel and love the people of God. That's simply it. In fact, I've come to learn that's my ministerial identity. That's really who I am in Christ and who God has called me to be. All of us live out the gospel of Jesus Christ. Perhaps you can discern and discover what your mission statement is if you will ask yourself, how does God want me to live out the gospel of Jesus Christ? One of the heroic things that John does for us that we can, can imitate and take to heart. John never let anything get in his way. He preached the truth, and that's what got him in trouble. He was imprisoned because he spoke truth against power. He spoke truth to power. And I think we as a church need to be very careful that we don't get in bed with power, that we don't endorse a political party and that we don't endorse a political candidate. Because when we do that, they use us. And we lose that role of prophetic. Prophetic news. We lose that role of prophecy. And uh, they do not listen to us because they have us in their pocket. And they will use us. They will use the church. So the church has to be careful that we are not sold out to a politician. I uh, learned on the uh, Internet from a news source that I follow that said that uh, a pastor in one of our states has endorsed a candidate for um, president that plans to run in 2024, and he's got a fan club organized in order to promote this candidate. I'm here to tell you he's lost his voice. That candidate will use him. And any time the candidate and power uses the church, then the church has lost its prophetic voice. We are to speak truth to society. We are to speak truth of the gospel to power. And we are to be able to speak truth freely as John the Baptist did. And that's why people in power didn't pay much attention to John until the people on the street began to pay attention. And when the people on the street began to pay attention then they began to pay attention. Because if a uh, riot erupted there, powerful people would lose their position of office. Their whole reason for existence was to please Caesar and to keep Pax Romania, meaning the peace of Rome. And any time there was a riot or the threat of a riot, their place in power was... Um, threatened and so John came and they didn't pay a whole lot of attention to him until people on the street paid attention and in order to uh, prevent a riot from occurring or for some upheaval and news getting back to the Caesar they began to inquire as well and that's when John began to preach that Herod was uh, in bed with his uh, brother's wife and should not have been and John preached against that and Herod put him in prison, and later John was beheaded. But John never let that get in his way. The threat of losing his life, the threat of speaking to power and what that might cost him never got in his way, which tells me that John the baptizer was a strong leader. He spoke truth and stood in truth. And when you stand in truth and speak to truth, then you are exhibiting strength. You're exhibiting strength. But he was a humble man. Jesus said of John the Baptist, there's not a more humble man on the earth, nor is there a man greater than this man, John the Baptist, because he was of such humble character. So when John was preaching, I do not see him as... The preachers on the street corner like we used to have uh, back back in the day, uh, we used to do that as kids. We would meet on a Saturday, we'd go to the street corner, and we'd sing and somebody would preach the hellfire and brimstone sermons and everybody and his little brother tried to avoid us because we were speaking the gospel truth in a, in a harsh kind of way on the courthouse steps. But John the Baptist spoke humbly and out of his... <laughs> humility, and his unwillingness to bend, and his uh, commitment to the truth, John was imprisoned, prison, and it eventually cost him his life. Jesus said, John was faithful to his mission, and not a greater person will ever live than John the Baptist. The Lord will say that about you and me one day, that we were faithful to our mission. Well done, my good and faithful servant. He won't ask us, did we succeed? Uh, John the Baptist did not succeed. He lost his life. He lost his life. He was in prison. He was tortured. Now, I don't think that we would measure that as success. But Jesus, but he was faithful. And God will say of him and you and me that we were faithful. Well done my good and faithful servant. So John's mission was to call people to a repentance who never thought they needed it. Do you and I think we need to be repentant? Do you and I need to reexamine our walk with the Lord and find ways to adjust our character, adjust our habits, adjust our intentions so that Christ will be honored through our life? Then we speak, secondly, about his message. His message, his call to to repentance. It was a call to change in a very permissive society. And we face the same uh, clarion call today as well because we have a society that does not want to give up its permissiveness. Anything goes in the culture of our day today. But John said... If you're going to walk the walk, if you're going to walk the talk, you need to bring fruit of your character, fruit of your repentance. He's not calling for people to say what they believe. He's calling for people to do what they believe, which leads me to rephrase a, a quote, a statement that I heard several years ago, and I wrote it down in my Bible, and you might want to write it down in your Bible as well. We'll always behave as we believe sometimes we behave as we confess we always behave as we believe in other words if i'm uh, back there in the kitchen and the the stove is on and the elements are hot and i know it's hot i'm not going to put my hand on it because i believe it'll burn my hand so that determines my behavior I always behave as I believe. But spiritually, sometimes we behave as we confess, as we say what we believe. So do you have that integrity lined up in your life? That's what repentance is about. It's a call to bring back together your integrity in the Lord Jesus Christ. So John always pronounced this importance of faith walking. You know, we'll never reach our spiritual potential, our spiritual growth potential, until we continue to practice spiritual disciplines in our life. I don't know if you've ever been on a journey of practicing spiritual discipline, prayer, Bible study, journaling, but sometimes it gets kind of old. Uh, Every morning I read from the assigned reading of the Book of Common Prayer. And if you follow me on Facebook, you'll notice that I post it every day, plus a kind of encouragement phrase to to go with it. And I have about 30 followers all (laughs) together. Isn't that a whooping thing? Uh, 30 whole followers all all together. But some mornings I get up and I think, I'm tired of doing this. I'm tired of doing this. And I'll I'll pick up that uh, website and I'll go to it and I'll start reading. That's the first thing I do every morning. I read that. That's the first thing I look at. First thing I read. But there are some mornings that I'll say, you know, I'm tired of doing this and I don't know if I want to do it anymore and I'll just skip to to today. But that's the very day that when I read a passage of Scripture it'll have a thought, an idea that matches my sermon and I go cha-ching. Uh, There'll be a word of encouragement that I need to hear. It's like God is going to speak when I'm in those desert times of life. Like John the Baptist was out in the desert. He continued spiritual discipline. He prayed. He sought God. Um, His diet was the diet of a prophet. He fasted. He prayed. He stayed with the spiritual disciplines. And because he did, he kept hearing a word from the Lord. When you and I practice our spiritual disciplines of prayer, Bible study, worship, uh, then we hear a word from the Lord. And the only reason you're not hearing a word from the Lord is that you've backed off in the spiritual d- disciplines of, of a Christian growth. So his message was a message, a call, a clarion call, if you will, to change in this permissive society um, that uh, they lived in those days. And it's the same mission and message that we have in the gospel of Christ. Thirdly, we consider today his motivation and the impact of his ministry, which was to fulfill God's will for his life. He had totally dedicated himself to the will of God for his life. So I would ask you three questions. Are you willing to be imprisoned for your faith? A second question. What will it take for you to deny Jesus? John uh, uh, Simon Peter, rather, told the Lord Jesus, Lord, I will be with you. I will die with you. I will go to prison for you. I'll do anything for you. And Jesus said to Simon Peter before This day is over. You will have denied me three times. Uh, Simon Peter couldn't believe that that would happen because he was so energized and robust about his following the Lord. And then after Jesus was arrested, Simon began to back down from his commitment. And when they recognized him as being one of those disciples of Jesus, he said, not me, not me. What will it take for you, to stop serving the Lord? What will it take for you to deny Christ? There are many today who are divorcing the church. And they say, well, I've got spirituality. In fact, uh, in in modern days, uh, there are several categories people deal with in talking about religion. They say, I'm not religious, but I am spiritual. I don't have a religion, but I am spiritual. Others who are questioned about their spiritual category would call themselves none, as if they were atheists or had no category whatsoever to define themselves. Very, very few people are willing to say, I stand for the gospel of Christ, and I'm a Christian, and I am a believer. And I would encourage you in the Advent season to take that stand and let that define who you are. You will become who God wants you to be as you declare who you are and what you stand for, what your values are, what your principles are, and what you have decided to do and to be as a follower of Jesus the Christ. So how can we be like John the Baptizer? Let me give you a few ways as we close. One, one way we can be like John the Baptizer is to remember that we are called to be different than the rest of the world. John the baptizer was different. Different in appearance. Different in what he preached. Different in how he behaved. You and I need to be different too. Our dress needs to be modest. Our attitude needs to be positive. Our influence needs to be integrity. And we need to be willing to stand in that position To say this is who I am and folks when you do that other people will respect you we are meant to be different secondly we challenge the status quo that's how we're like John the Baptist we challenge the status quo you can either be a thermostat and change the environment or you can be a thermometer and just reflect The environment that you're in. You can be just like the world as a thermometer, or you can change the environment and be a a thermostat that sets the standard for others to follow as well. And that's what John the Baptist did. He set the standard, he rejected the status quo, and he set a new standard in preparing the way for the coming of the Christ. The voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make ready the way of the Lord. Make His path straight. Every ravine will be filled, every mountain and hill will be brought low, and the crooked will become straight and the rough road smooth. These are all images, these are all Old Testament word pictures for repentance and change. Because it's a big change when a path is straight instead of uh, crooked. It's It's a big change when a ravine is filled up. It's a big change when every mountain is made low. It's a big change when the crooked has become straight. It's a big change when the rough road has become a smooth road. That's called change. That's from repentance. And that's the message and the mission of John the Baptist. And we can be like that as well as we lead people to Christ. And when we lead people to Christ, we're inviting them to this change. And today, I would, I would reach out to you and, and share with you that God is calling you to follow Him and to be His disciple. And He's calling you today, not someday down the road, but He's calling you today. And you know that the time is right for you to make that public decision because you know it's the right thing to do. The time is right because you know that it's the right thing to do. God is calling you to make that step today, to become a believer, to follow Christ, and to, be, and to be baptized. And then lastly, we avoid, like John the Baptist, compromising our convictions. John the Baptist did not compromise his convictions. He continued to believe steadfastly that his hope was in the Lord. I want to encourage you to be back tonight for this evening's program. Uh, it, it's just beautiful. The, the songs that we're singing are beautiful, beautiful hymns. One of those is a hymn uh, called I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. Now, this past week, my wife and I were able to attend a, a, um, a uh, cinema that was showing the movie I Heard the Bells. And it's the story of Henry Wadsworth Longfellow and how he came about writing that poem. It took place during the Civil War when times were really, really hard. They lived in Massachusetts. He was a famous author at the time, a poet, and was well recognized literally around the world. So he had much means. But he lost his wife in a fire. And then his son decided to enlist in the Civil War. And he almost lost his son, his son was wounded. he was able to find him and to recover. Wadsworth was struggling. Henry was struggling with this idea that the Christmas bells ring. He always told his little girls, you know they would stay up at night and say, "Is it Christmas yet? is it Christmas yet?" And he would say, "Well, not till you hear the bells." When you hear the church bells, you'll know that it's that it's uh, uh, Christmas day because it was midnight." and it was the Christmas season when the bells rang. And as the bells would ring, he was full of grief because he lost his wife, he almost lost his son. Life was hard during those times. And so he set out to write these words, I heard the bells on Christmas Day. Now I'm trying to tie this in with the idea that John the Baptist continued not to compromise his convictions but to stand on his convictions of the hope of the gospel, that Christ the Savior, the Messiah, would come. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play. Wild and sweet, the words repeat, Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And thought how, as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Till ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day, a voice, a chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Then from each black, accursed mouth, the cannon thundered in the south, and with the sound the carols drowned, of peace on earth, goodwill to men. It was as if the earthquake rent, the hearth the stones of a continent, and made forlorn the households born of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair I bowed my head, there is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song, peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep, God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right Prevail prevail with peace on earth, goodwill to men. John did not compromise his conviction in the gospel. He preached it, and he died believing it. Will you compromise, or will you remain convicted? And be like a thermostat in the world that changes the environment around you. Today someone needs to come and give their life to the Lord. And During this invitation song, I encourage you to just step forward and let Christ take control of your life and you will then enjoy the fellowship and the blessing of being a child of God. Let's stand in prayer, if you will. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the unchanging gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel that is eternal. And though we may have a desert experience we're living through right now, though we may live in a war-torn heart, the gospel is still true. The wrong shall fail. The right will prevail. And through the righteous one, Jesus Christ, we have peace on earth goodwill toward one another bless our invitation today bless all who will make decisions Jesus. name you've been listening to the Sunday morning worship service of the Ekron Baptist Church you too can accept the eternal life offered by Jesus Christ first admit that you are a sinner then believe that Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins and ask him to come into your heart and change your life then confess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've made this decision today, write to us at the Akron Baptist Church, 2775 Hayesville Road, Ekron, Kentucky, 40117. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to be a part of our growing family with programs and Bible studies for all ages. Join us next Sunday at 11 a.m. for morning worship from the Ekron Baptist Church. Until that time, may God bless.